This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. kind of follow on a little bit from what I did last week actually uh, I just want to kind of follow that thought through uh, Luke 24 verse 49, verse 49 uh, this whole idea of being endured with power I want to talk about being endured with power uh, I think I shared last week that the early church began with power that's the way, that, that's the way it was birthed we were born with power uh, and God's desire God's yearning for his church is to be a church of power and as we're going to see in a moment, without that, really, we got zouch. Uh, so I think, you know, this is so important that we kind of recognise our need and to become a people of power, endured with power. So I want to look at this, uh, two, verse, two scriptures actually, Luke 24, verse 49, then uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1 after that. Luke 24, verse 49, these are the words of Jesus. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. And Acts chapter 1. Again, well-known scriptures. The former, verse 1, The former account I made, O Theopolis, of what Jesus began both to do and teach, and to do until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments in the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself, alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized you with water, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit from many days from this time on. Okay. Uh, I think we looked at last week the, the, there's a twofold work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is both within you, isn't that wonderful? Last week there were temples of the Holy Spirit. But also, not only is the Holy Spirit in you, but also the Holy Spirit is upon you. And he comes to be upon you to endure you, we're told there, to endure you with power. Endures us with power. And I kind of looked at what the word uh, endured means. Remember last week I looked at the word, I showed you the word endured. So often we, we look at words, we don't kind of grasp sometimes the depth of their meaning. And that word endured actually means to sort of, it was a word they used in those times to, 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 to what you submerge something into a dye. Okay, so you, you take a piece of cloth and you submerge it into a dye. 
That's what it meant to endure, to, sub- to submerge it to a dye, so the cloth is unrecognisable with the dye that is, that's been, it's been submerged into. It actually refers to actually almost this picture of actually having a second piece of clothing, another skin almost. That's how powerful it means. To endure means to be, that you almost have a second, another skin. It, you're so endured with this power, it's almost like another skin. That's how powerful it is. Everything that's just awesome. But you are endured with this power. It's the idea of wearing something until it becomes a second skin. And Jesus commanded them, I want you to say the power of this, he commanded them not to do anything but to wait into Jerusalem until they had received this endurement, this submerging in God's power. It's almost a picture, can I put it this way, it's actually saying, don't go out naked, if I can use that word. In other words, don't go and do anything for God unless you've got the attainment, the clothing to do it. Isn't that powerful? In other words, if we attempt things for God without this endowment and power, we are not being clothed for the assignment that God's given to us. God has said, I've got this assignment for you, and the assignment I've got for you to do, don't do it until you've got your clothes on. Until you're clothed and empowered from on high. And that's so powerful. And I found this, that we're never going to really seek this endowment from power until we realise that this is what God has promised for us to receive. You see that? In other words, I've got to have a vision for something greater than myself. I've got to have a vision to say, this is what God wants for me. This is the vision that God's got for my life, that I'd be a man, that I'd be a woman, clothed and endured with power. Because there's so much more that he wants us to have, but we have to have a vision for that. We have to have a vision that says that what I have, there's lots more to receive. And so we have to have a vision, we have to have a recognition, this is what we need. We need to be clothed with power from on high. And we're not going to achieve we're not going to do anything of any worth, of any value, of any effect for God until we live with that awareness and that need to be clothed with power from an eye. So most of this sense, Lord, whatever I've got to do today, whether it, whether it be to go to a job, whether it be to look after children, and I kind of find you probably need more anointing for that than anything else, amen? <laughs> but whatever it is you're doing, you're saying, God... I need my clothes to be able to fulfill the assignment of this day. I refuse to do any, I refuse to start this day until I know something of being clothed from on high. That's, that's awesome. In other words, whatever you're doing, whatever practical thing throughout the day you're doing, you need to be endured with power from on high. And I think I shared last week, that word power actually means this. It means, in essence, it just means the ability of God. It means his ability in place of your inability. And we looked at some of the things that we need, you know, we need power to be an effective witness for Jesus. How many realise that? You'll never be an effective witness for Jesus until you have received power from on high. It's the power from on high that enables you to be that powerful witness for him. In fact, the word witness means to produce evidence. How do we produce the evidence that Jesus is alive? How do we produce evidence to an unbelieving world that Jesus Christ is risen? 
Jesus says, the way you're going to produce the evidence that I'm alive is by being endured with power. And to be that incredible, effective witness for Jesus that we need to be in our everyday situations, we need power from on high. We need power from on high to face some of the circumstances, some of the trials, some of the challenges of life. You'll never do it in your own power and strength and your own ability. And you need power from God to be able to come through those trials, to come through those challenges in his power and his ability. You need power, you need ability to face the temptations, the things the enemy will throw at you. You'll never deal with it unless you receive power from on high. You need power from on high to live the Christian life. It's an insult to God to think you can live this Christian life in your own power and your own ability. You receive the ability and the power from God to enable you to be like Jesus, to respond like Jesus, to do the works that Jesus called us to do. To be all that he is, we have the power and the ability from on high to do that. So that power and ability enables us to be more and more like Jesus. What an incredible challenge of a promise in John's Gospel. You think about this, what Jesus said. He says, you shall do the works that I do. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, then the next verse even blows your mind even further. And greater works than these ye shall do. How are we ever going to get to that place? Except by the power from on high. God's ability in place of your inability to do it. You say amen. And that's what we need today. We need that power from on high for every sphere of life. Now, look, let's look at Acts a little bit as we go there. Now, Think about this, this kind of... Jesus said, the kings and the prophets, I think it's in Luke's Gospel, they looked into the day we're living in. And they longed for that day. They saw it coming, but they never come into the fullness of it. All the prophets, all the priests, all the, all the kings and the prophets, they looked into this day. And they said, this is the day that we are predicting. This is the day we're looking forward to. There'll be a day... When God will pour his spirit on all flesh. Is that right? In fact, Peter said, this is it. On the day of Pentecost, he says, this is it. This is what the prophets said would happen. This is it. This is the fulfillment of that day. And the prophets and the kings, they longed. They looked for this amazing day when God would endure his people with power. Now, here's what they look forward to. They look forward to this point. Because what Jesus died for, when you get hold of this, he never just died for us to have church. How many realise that? Isn't that right? He never just died for us to come together on a Sunday morning. He died, number one, that we'd have eternal life, which is amazing and awesome, and have the forgiveness of our sins, which is incredible and awesome. But also, he died so that God would have a people who would be possessed by his Spirit. A people who would be infilled and empowered by his spirit. And I say this word being possessed by God. Being possessed by God's spirit. A people 
Let me put it this way. A people whom God would put on like a glove. There's a great term. I just want to read to you a little bit about Gideon. This is what he said about Gideon. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now, in the original language, it says this. And the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself on Gideon. Isn't that powerful? He clothed himself on Gideon. He became this sense that God clothed himself on Gideon's life. In almost this picture that when God clothes you, when God, God endures you, you come, if you like, in a sense, you become possessed, in a sense, by God himself. Let me give you a verse. That, I know that word, as often, has all kinds of connotations. But listen to what it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Let me read this, this quote. Those whom God is using today is not because they are anything special, but it's because they've been touched by God and God has touched them. And what we're talking about really is a life, really, if I can use this term, a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. To be clothed, to be endured, means actually that you become controlled fully, completely by the Spirit of God. And there's only one kind of condition that enables a life to be fully clothed, empowered, filled, possessed by the Spirit of God. There's only one condition. And I think it's the condition of a surrendered life. If we want God's power, if we want that ability, if we want to be fully controlled by the Spirit, then the key to it is simply this. A life that is fully surrendered to God will be a life that God would fully fill. Isn't that powerful? Let me give you, again, a quote. Andrew Murray. Everybody heard of Andrew Murray? I recommend Andrew Murray, because I think he's a great writer. I think he wrote 100 or so years ago. And there's very few people kind of write sometimes with the depth that he has, and I'd encourage you. And he wrote a book called Absolute Surrender. And this is what he said. He says, the condition for obtaining the full blessing of God is absolute surrender to him. And he says, are you willing to surrender yourself absolutely into his hands? What will your answer be? I think actually this, the Christian life is a life of surrender and totally commitment to God. And a life that is not fully surrendered and totally committed to God actually is not a Christian life at all. Because Jesus said these words, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And that that's what surrender means. It means to yield up. It means to deny yourself. It means to give yourself. And I think this. The level of power we have in the Lord will be determined of how much we let Jesus 
work in our life. Now, sometimes we consider this as some heavy kind of thing. But here's when you get old. When you really, because it really, I'll tell you how it begins, really. You'll never really yield yourself or surrender yourself, really, until you fully see Jesus the way he is. When you see how loving he is, when you see how gracious he is, when you see how amazing he is, when you see how wonderful he is, the more I get a revelation of how amazing, how wonderful Jesus is, then the more I'm going to surrender myself to him. If I never really get a revelation of how much I'm loved by him, of how much he's passionate for me, then the truth is, I'm not going to surrender myself to the depth and the level he wants me to. So I think that's the key right there. Just to see how Jesus loves you so much. And out of that revelation, out of that recognition, says, Lord, if you love me so much, then how can I not but surrender myself to you? Isn't that wonderful? And I found more and more, the more I get a revelation of how wonderful Jesus is, the more I surrender myself to him. And the more I surrender myself to him, the more I allow him by his spirit to work in a greater and deeper way in me. The more surrendered I am, the more of a vessel I become for the Lord to work through me. Amen. Now, go back to, oh, go back to, to Acts again. I want you to see something because I think there's a great phrase here in verse 3. Now, here Jesus gives instruction. We're told, you know, the word Pentecost means 50. And you realize that. And it's interesting that Jesus was with them for 40 days. That's what he says. He was with them for 40 days. And then for 10 days, they waited and hungered and were desperate for God to come. And for 10 days, they spent that time waiting, preparing themselves, getting themselves in that right place. And on the 50th day, on the day, when the day of Pentecost what had fully come, it came like a mighty wind and tongues of fire. Sorry, that was me, then, if you wonder what that was. Uh, and so the disciples, starting verse 6 to 7, they asked him a question. They said, Lord, when will you at this time restore the kingdom? And in verse 7, he says to them, it's not for you to know the seasons which the Father has poured into his own authority, but... You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, they were saying, what's the kingdom? When's the kingdom going to come? And he defines the kingdom as the fullness and the power of the Spirit. In other words, the kingdom of God is recognized by the presence. It's by the presence. And what God says that that when he gets a people that will partner with him and allows his presence to fully impact them and fill them, that is the kingdom of God being released. In other words, the kingdom is in us so it can be released from us. The kingdom partnering with him. Now, there's two terms that connect the, the baptism of the Spirit so it's termed as this, the baptism with the Spirit and the baptism with fire. I'm going to it's fire and the Spirit. And they're both kind of interrelated, they're both interconnected, because there's the point. Everything you and I do really has to come out of one thing, really. Out of that intimacy with Jesus. The more intimate I am with Jesus, 
the more I will achieve for him. Everything I do, of any value, of every, any significance, anybody who's ever done anything of any value, any significance, it always came out of their intimacy with Jesus. Everything truly born of him, that's the place it came out of. It didn't come through a clever idea, it came out of intimacy with Jesus. Now, what does fire do? Fire burns everything that, if you like, that can't be consumed. It, it burns everything that can't be consumed by it. So what's left? It's what doesn't, if you like, be yielded to the fire. Let me put it another way. What remains, if I use this term, is what remains, if you like, is... I'm trying to use a good term here. Let me just give this term. Yeah. What fire burns? That's a better term. This is a better term. Fire reduces things. It reduces everything that, that needs to go. It reduces things. It reduces things. And here's one to get over. The fire of God really ultimately is there to reduce everything in us that takes our attention, that takes our affection from Jesus. So when the fire really gets hold of us, it brings us to a point where we recognize this. Really, one thing remains. That is our intimate relationship with him. Everything else begins to be burnt. So we realize the reason why I'm living, if you like, is to have intimacy and closeness And the fire comes to burn away those things that hinder and affect my intimacy with Jesus. Have you found this? The more you're filled with the Spirit, the more closer you find yourself to Jesus. The less filled you are, the more distant you feel. So when the fire comes, it comes to burn away those things that drive us, that draw us away from him. Those things that hinder, those things that, that grab our affections, that grab our time, that grab our attention. And the fire of God so burns in us, we come to a place where we realize the most important thing of all is my intimate relationship with Jesus. And out of that intimate relationship with Jesus, God begins to do amazing and awesome and incredible things in our life. Paul says something powerful. I never forgot this. This is the way he defines it. He says, I've learned to listen to this. He says, I've learned to abound and I've learned to be abased. Isn't that a powerful thing? It's not content whether I'm abasing or whether I'm abounding. And the fire of God is needed for this reason. Here's one to get a hold of. Sometimes, when everything's going well and everything's going fantastic, everything's going wonderful, so easy that we begin to draw away from him. Because we're so, you know, everything's going so well, we don't kind of feel we need him as much as we used to need him. Isn't that true? But also, there's the other hand, that when we're a, a base, when things are going wrong, and all the problems, all the difficulties come in, sometimes even that can have the effect of driving us from him. And Paul said, I've learned a secret. That whether things are going amazingly well for me, and I'm healing the sick, I'm raising the dead, I'm doing amazing things for God, I'm still in that same place with him. 
Or even when I'm going through the trials, when I've been shipwrecked, when I've been stoned, when I've been persecuted, when I've been put in prison, I still learn to have that same place in him. I'm consistent, I'm constant. Wherever the situation, I've learned to still have intimacy and closeness with him. Whether I'm abased or whether I'm abound. Because the fire of God burning in me causes me to actually be the same wherever. And almost there's something about that, what God says. He says, I just love people that are going to go for me. Still declare I'm good when everything actually counters that de- declaration. I'm still going to praise him even when everything seems to be falling apart. I'm still going to be pressing in for him even when I don't kind of feel like it. Whether I'm abounding or whether I'm abased, I'm still pressing in. I'm still living in a close, intimate place with Jesus. And I think that's the life that God is going to do amazing things with. That's the condition. Whether everything's going amazing and whether you're the height of success or whether you're the depths of despair, the point is that the fire of Jesus can still work the same way. Can you say amen? It can still work in you in the same way. I want you to turn me to Luke 1, verse 34. Let me just kind of kind of change tracks like this. Luke 1, verse 34. There's the story. Getting ready for Christmas, really. How many ready for Christmas? You know, I, was, I think it was in the car, in the car yesterday, and they've actually got things for Christmas. And we saw that. They, they've got all the biscuits, all the stuff for Christmas. I'm thinking... Have I, have I missed a couple of months? What, you know, what, what, what's, where, where am I? You know, Luke 1, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, therefore. Also the Holy One who has been born will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, here's Mary. She's give, been given this absolutely mind-boggling promise, if you like. And her reaction is, how is that going to happen? How is that going to take place? This promise is staggering. How is that going to happen? And the angel tells us, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. That's how it will take place. Sometimes we stagger at the promises that God gives to us. We see these incredible promises. And I believe there's a, 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 in these days there's coming a connection together between Word and Spirit. Sometimes we've either been one or the other. People are all kind of into the Word and not really into the Spirit. Some people are totally into the Spirit, but not really into the Word. But when you combine them both together, something powerful happens. When you combine both the Word and the Spirit, there's a mighty explosion that begins to happen. And Mary says, how is this going to happen? How am I going to see this fulfilled in my life? And maybe you're here this morning. God's given you a promise, God's given you a dream, God's poured something into your heart, 
and you look at your own inability and say, how can this possibly happen? And here's how it will happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and enable you and give you the ability what you could not do in your own self. Isn't that awesome? Now, the Spirit will come upon you. It will shadow you. The shadow. And I just thought this word shadow kind of struck me. Because, in other words, the object has to be close to something for their shadow to be. Is that true? So he's saying this, that when you get close to the Holy Spirit, then his shadow will be there. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit with power. But how do I connect to the power? You know how it happens? The more I know the person behind the power, the more I know the power. If I don't really know the person, then I won't really have the power. But the closer I know the Holy Spirit, the more I know of his power, because he's the person with the power. So if I know the person, I begin to enable the power. Can you see that? The more I know the person, because he's the person with the power. And if I want the power, I've got to get to know the person. And this is what I'm saying this morning. The more I begin to develop an intimate close fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the more of his power I will know. I just think that's so awesome. The way to develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit is to learn simply to acknowledge him. All the time you say, Holy Spirit, show me what to do in this situation. On this job, Holy Spirit, show me what to do. How do I deal with this person, Holy Spirit? How do I respond to that situation, Holy Spirit? And you begin to acknowledge him in all your ways. You begin to talk to him. You begin to commune with him. You begin to have fellowship with him. You see, you can know someone, but not really know, not really know them. You know what I mean? But you can, in a sense, know the Queen, but not really know the Queen. You can know about the Queen. You can know about how many children she has and different aspects of her life but you don't really know her in an intimate way. You know her, but you don't really know her. You don't really know her as an intimate. She used to walk in, you go, oh, you'd all kind of recognise her. But you don't really know her in an intimate way. And that's true. We can know the Holy Spirit, but not know him in an intimate way. We can know about him, we can read about him, but not really be acquainted with him and know him in an intimate way, in the way he wants to be known. And the more I know him in an intimate way, because he's the person with the power, so if I begin to get to know him in an intimate way, I will begin to flow more and more in his power. Amen. Intimate, fellowship, close, nearness to the Holy Spirit. What am I doing? I'm building a conscious awareness of his presence with me. In everything I do, I just become aware. I'm conscious. See, what I'm most conscious of will be what I'm most close to and near to. So I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I want to know you so much. I want to know your ways. I want to know the way you work. I want to know you as a person. How many know the Holy Spirit's a person? And if it's a person, then I know him as a person. He can be known. He can be drawn to. He can be close to. I can know him in greater depth and greater ways. My constant prayer is, Holy Spirit, help me to know your ways. Help me to know how you're working, how you're moving, and help me to flow with what you're doing. Amen? 
And that's the key. Intimacy with him. The more I know him, the more I know his power. Let me give you, and I'm going to close with this, and I'm just, I'm just going to give you a PowerPoint, really, of how you can know his power in greater ways. Here's the first thing. Sensitivity. The more I become sensitive to his voice and to his promptings, the more I begin to know him. That's why the Bible says, don't grieve the Spirit. Because when you're grieving him, you're becoming insensitive to him. So the Bible says, don't grieve him. Don't do anything that you know will grieve him. Because if you grieve him, you become insensitive to his ways and to who he is. So begin to develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. See, fasting is a good way. It's a good way to do it. Fasting and prayer are amazing ways to develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. Obedience. When it comes down to it, we can know things, but the real issue is whether we're doing what we know God's told us to do. And the more I obey him, the more I begin to know him. Third thing is humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know what grace means? It means empowering. That's what it means. It means to empower you. To be something you could not be without grace. And grace is an empowering force. And when I humble myself, when I say, Lord, I'm just dependent totally and completely on you, I can't do it without you, I need you so much, then God begins to kick in supernatural ability in your life. Grace kicks in when we come to a place of humility. Someone says that grace is empowering, is God's willingness to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I love that. Isn't that lovely? God's grace do for you what you could never do for yourself. The fourth thing is knowledge of the word. Get to know the word. Spend time in the word. Fifth thing is, and I'll close with this, and here's a powerful one, motivation. Because if we have the wrong motivation, then we will not really know the power of God to any, any depth. True motivation, having the right motivation. That's a powerful thing. Because we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And so we need to say, God, give me a true motivation. You know what true motivation is? I think, saying, Lord, I want your power, not just to feel good, but I want your power because I want to reach the lost. I want your power because I want to reach broken, hurting people. I want your power because I want to reach and touch other people. That's what I want you powerful. So it becomes a, your motivation is the motivations of the, fa- of the, of the Father's heart because the Father sent the Son for that very reason. So the more I live my life to follow the Father's heart, the greater depth of his power. And I think many have missed the power of God because the motivation wasn't right. And I think what God does more and more, he begins to work in our hearts to change our motivation. So our motivation becomes the same motivation of Jesus. You know, what moved Jesus? What motivated Jesus? You know what it was many times? It was compassion. It says that every time you see often a miracle or a work of the Spirit, there's often two words that follow that. Compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy were the motivating force of Jesus that enabled him to heal the sick. And the more I'm filled with the compassion of Jesus the greater level of his power will be. You know why? He can trust a compassionate person with his power. 
because they're going to use that power correctly. You know, I think of Levi when he's two or three. You know, when Levi's two or three, I'll tell you one thing I won't be doing. He's giving him my car keys, amen? <laughs> you know, at ten he could drive, maybe. But I still won't be giving my... He could know all the ins and outs of driving, but I kind of wouldn't trust him with a car because he wouldn't have the maturity to be able to deal with it. Is that true? And I think that's... I always remember years and years ago on the close of this. He was a missionary, well, a guy who worked in China. I'm going back a lot of years now. Just when China was beginning to be opened and the gospel was... And many people had been saved in China. And I always remember this guy saying, he says, the reason why God has poured his power out on, on the Chinese church to the level it has is because God can trust the Chinese church. Because they've gone through such extreme persecution. Many kind of lost their lives, if you like, persecuted. And because they learned to trust God in the trials and the, and the pressures and, and, the, and the persecution, their hearts have been kind of dealt with and, and they're in a place where God could really trust them with his power. So I think, having a motivation, Lord, I want to see you glorified. And once that becomes the, the key desire of your heart, then the power is going to come. Because the motivation connects with the Father's heart motivation. They all flow together. Your will, Father. Your will. And out of that, God will release his power. Let's stand, shall Let's just come before him. And what a wonderful thing this morning. Endured with power from on high. I wonder right now in our own lives and our own situations, we can actually know that we feel that we're a people of power. We have power. We're just... We're just connected and we're, we've got the power of God flowing through us. We're not striving or struggling in our own energy and our own ability. But we're flowing, moving in the power of the Spirit. I just want to just have some background music there for a sec. Just for, I just want to say, music plays right now. Just open your heart up today. Say, Lord, today just going to say Holy Spirit you know, I believe the Holy Spirit can touch you right where you are right now and just say Holy Spirit I need your power right now would you maybe you've, you've known that many times but maybe you feel a sense right now there's a lack of power in your life there's one baptism but many feelings just say, Lord, just fill me anew, fill me afresh. Clothe me today. Would you clothe me with your power? Just call on him right now as this as that music plays right now. Let God see the cry, the desperation of our hearts, because we need his power. Individually, corporately, as a church, we need his power. This island will never be touched without the power of God. It will never be turned around without the power. We should be desperate for his power because nothing really of any significance will happen without his power so just call on him right now you need power to be that witness power to change your loved ones power to to be that witness to the people around you your ability isn't sufficient your ability just isn't good enough to do it just call on him right now say Lord I need your power today I need your power just come on let's call on him right now where you are say Lord send your power Send your power right now. Send your ability. Send your power. Send your power. Send your ability. I need your power today, Lord. 
Clothe me with power from on high. Clothe me with that, with your endurance. Every part of my being, clothe with power. Power to do the works of Jesus. Power to overcome the enemy. Power to heal the sick. Power to be that testimony for him. Power, power. Power from on high. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Praise you, praise you. Father, just call on, just for a few moments, just keep calling and say, Lord, today I need your power. I need your power right now, Lord. I need your power. Jesus, just, just spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with him. Commune with him. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need you today. I can't do this in my power and strength. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your love. I need your strength. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Come on, just for a few moments. Keep calling on him. I just feel this morning, some of us need his joy. Maybe you feel your joy is just evaporated out of you and you just feel so kind of heavy, if you like. The joy is not as it used to be. I'm glad he's the spirit of joy. Let him fill your heart with such a sense of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. A joy that just bubbles up from within you. A love that that knows no weakness. A love that never fails. Even in the midst of, of challenges. Challenging people. A love that never fails. A strength that is given to those who are weary. A strength that helps you overcome. Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you are just so amazing. And we ask you more and more that we be empowered, endured with your power today. Lord, we're just so aware that we can't do it in our power and strength. And I pray today for a new endurement of power upon every single person in this place today. I pray they be endured with your power in a fresh and new way. Lord, oh, for a fresh touch from heaven. Lord, that you touch everyone in this place today. You touch them with your power. You touch them with your ability right now, God. We, we, we acknowledge today our inability. And we cry to you for your ability to enable us to be all that you've called us to be. We, we pray, come as the fire, O oh God. Burn away those things that hinder you in our lives today. Come as the fire. Lord, come and burn those things from us, Lord, that we would be in a, a closer and more intimate place with you. Come and overshadow us with your power and your strength and your ability, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delight Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.